Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Actually, week three into this series, Overcoming You, and our, our desire for this in these first few weeks of 2019 is to really just take an honest look in the mirror and, and look at the issues that we have. And if you're here and you're going like, oh, I don't know if I have any issues, well, just ask the people that know you and they'll tell you, we all have issues. That's us admitting that, but hitting some pretty heavy topics. And I would tell you today, based on last service, what we're getting into is going to be pretty heavy. So I don't know, you need to buckle up. Is that what they tell you when you take a flight? You know, uh, make sure that if the auction mass drops, be ready for that. Be prepared here for what we're going to be talking about today. Because today we're going to talk about overcoming the need to... Right, I'm sorry. Overcoming the right to be offended. Last week we talked on the, the need to be in control. The week before we talked about the overcoming the feelings of inadequacy. But today we're talking about the right to be offended. Now some of you are already a little bit going, wait, wait a second. Don't I have a right to be offended? You're already kind of like offended by the title of we have to overcome being the right to be offended. So hold on, don't leave yet. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to here in a, in a moment. But I don't know what ticks you off quickly. I don't know what ruffles your feathers. But I have a few things that get me going and and cause me to be easily offended. It's it's called driving. <laughs> You're like uh, don't go there. No, it, it is. It's a it's a challenge for a lot of us. Uh, and I don't have a problem with driving. I have a problem with the other people around me driving. Okay, that's my that's my issue. I'm so glad that I'm about you. I'm so glad I don't live in Seattle this last week or these these things. Like everybody's like, oh, you know, you turn on the Seattle news, like, and you know, some say, well, it's not that bad with the viaduct down, the tunnels not open, and all that. I'm like, no, thank you, nope, nope, pass. I don't want any of that. I don't want it. That they call it the tunnel effect. No, I I'll pass. I don't think I want any. That. But I have enough stress going to Costco, okay? You know, that's, a, that's enough. Or just going on I-5 and our two-lane highways that we have. And I don't know what it is. There's certain things that, and of course, it depends on the mood of the day and what you're going through. But, you know, you're wanting to get through when you want to get through. And then you, you know, you get behind someone slow. And with technically, I guess they're going the speed limit, but they're going slow. And, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to, you know, go around them. And then they speed up and then you're, and, you know, then you speed up and you're going around. Then they speed up. Like, is this fast and furious? Is this what we're playing here? And eventually you go around them. And then sometimes I've seen people go around me after I've gone around them. And then they, they get real friendly with a one finger salute. And they're like, number one, right? Wrong finger, okay? And so in, in my, in, you know, in that moment I have, and, you know, and so I gesture back. And you now I'm a pastor, so, you know, it's going to be God bless you, you know. As you, you, maybe I'll wave. And they're not sure. If anybody ever flips you off, just wave. And just, you know, and they're just don't, not sure what to do with that. And on top of that, though, I can't do anything that's beyond being offended back. Because, because I got that little fish on the back of my 
trunk, which I, I inherited that car. And like, I, sometimes I want to take it off because I'm not, because I'm not that Christian sometimes when I'm driving. Okay. And, and so it's just, I'm admitting some stuff right here. Um, but let me ask, this, this is a question I think we got up here is when have you been easily offended or, what, or how about this one? When have you been offended lately? Right? What is it that kind of puts you in the bad mood so quickly, or someone's done something to tick you off? I think it can be so subtle at times. Like you can be on the phone with somebody, and and they just have that tone on the phone, and you're like, "What's their deal? What's their problem?" We get easily offended. I think this has been somewhat. Some of us can feel this way lately in our technology, where you 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 send a nice message to somebody, or you either want to get together with them, you're com- communicating something in a text message, and they don't respond. I mean, hours go by. Oh, days go by and they don't respond, right? And you're like, what is their problem? We get offended with it. And I think sometimes too, where we, we, where we, we're out to help somebody. I mean, we, we go all of our way. We give a lot to them. We support them in whatever way it might be being generous to them. And there is not a thank you back. There's no, there's no thank you note. There's no emoji with the, you know, prayer. There's nothing like nobody's giving you anything back. And we get highly, we get offended, don't we? See, we live a lot of it. We recognize that more and more we're becoming a very, what do you say? Short fuse world, a very, a, a very offending world that we live in. Like people are calling I'm offended left and right all over the place. And it is in social media. You see that happening and, and people just kind of launch like grenades at each other, you know, digitally. And it's just, and, and our political, come on, we don't even, you know, don't even mention that, right? We want to break from that right now and not watching it. But it's, it's a circus going on and people are just going back and forth and doing this to each other. And it's just this volatility in our world. People are just living this way and we can go, wow, look at culture. But I also would say, <laughs> look at us as a church. If been a part of this church now 10 years and, and, and 25 years I've been in, in church work. And I tell you, 95% of where offense comes from for people in the church, it has to do with style and preference. I, I'm amazed like, that rarely does anyone come to me and debate me or offended they're going to leave the church over theology. And that's funny. You think if there's anything that would be important to talk about, about view of God, that that would is. No, it's mostly style and preference. It's mostly like music's too loud, music's too soft. I don't like that translation of the Bible. Building's cold. Well, welcome to an old building. Okay, you can't, you know, we try to keep the heat going in here. This one got me was the pastor's too honest. That was an actual complaint. Pastor's too honest. He shouldn't talk about his problems, just preach the Bible. Like, huh, I think we all got problems, right? No, I'm not offended by that. I'm just like, huh. That's interesting. There's, there's preferences that people have. And I'm amazed by this. I'm amazed, I really am, by one little remark someone makes in a grocery store that sends something in a, someone in a tailspin and goes, I'm out of here. That's it. I quit this church and everything. And I'm like, well, you're just talking to a, some crazy lady over here that's telling you this information. Well, I just that's the way it's going to be. I, if that's the way you guys are going to be, then I'm out of here. Like, huh, maybe we, can we talk about that? No. Wow, Okay. That, that's really interesting. And I thought about that for us because some of you might relate with that a little bit. Some of you are like, yeah, I get kind of miffed at times. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Why is it? And I thought about like, I'm out and people go, I'm out of here. And I thought, huh, do you ever do that in other relationships? Like you come home from 
you come home and your spouse says, you ask, hey, what do, what are we having for dinner? And they go, well, we're having meatloaf. Uh, we're having leftovers, leftover meatloaf. What again? We had leftover meatloaf last night. I want a divorce, right? <laughs> no one, no one says that. If you do, you got some other issues going on, and that's the thing. That's what's going on. It's like what causes us? Think about it. it just we have short trigger fuses and, and our feathers get ruffled. Some of you just like, oh, dude, don't go there with this today. You're already getting kind of, I can feel it already. Some of you guys are just getting tense about it. But what's coming? What is that? What is that? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with conditioning. I think a lot of it has to do with our conditioning. We, we need to recognize, and, and we almost talk about it all the time because we, we need to know that, hey, we live in a fallen, broken world, and we were born into the sinful world. We're born in this world and our natural tendency is to be selfish and insecure. And so when someone wrongs us or someone does something that threatens that right that we think we have, we've, it sets us off. So we need to go back to the fact at the very beginning of that. But on top of that, much of it has to do how we were raised too. Our upbringing has shaped us. And it really shaped us, we're shaped in two ways if you think about it. We're shaped how we're loved and shaped how we've been hurt growing up. And there's, there's definitely a mix of both. For some of you, if you lived in a home that was judgmental and negative and, and hurtful, you probably sighed a little bit more being easily offended. If you, if you grew up in a home that's mostly caring and optimistic and loving, you might let things roll a little bit more. And you think of the best of people and not the worst of people. So there's extremes, but also I would say that we're probably somewhere, a lot of us in the middle. We have good days and bad days. Some days we just let things ha- slide. Other days we just get out of sorts over the littlest, littlest things. And I think another thing we just need to call it out is this, is that we're American. Now, if you're Canadian, uh, we love Canadians, by the way. And so you might not relate with this. I don't know, your, I don't know the Canadian government. I didn't study Canadian history. But in the American, American government, we have this wonderful thing called, it's a beautiful gift. People sacrifice for it. It's called the Bill of Rights. And we have the Bill of Rights, and they're, and they're very unique for a lot for the rest of the world, and we, they're good for us. They're, 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 it's a good thing to have, but many times we wear the Bill of Rights like I have a, like, like a badge, like I have a right. I have a right to be offended. Well, I don't even know if that's in the Bill of Rights, but it, it even, and maybe it sounds kind of American, but demanding our rights actually isn't very biblical at all. Some of you are like, I'm out of here. I get <laughs> You might be offended by that, but it actually is the absolute opposite of God's desire for us. And that's why that's an issue to overcome the right to be offended. Let me, you might be pushing back on this. Don't, you know, don't, Dan, isn't there times where there's injustice or in what's happening and we need to take a stand for that? We're going to get to that in a moment. And the answer is yes to that. But let me just ask you on a personal side of things. When when you are easily offended, when you get easily offended, how do you feel about yourself? When you're easily offended, do you, do you find a lot of joy in your life? When you're easily offended, do you, do you find freedom? Do you, when you're easily offended, do you find yourself drawn closer to Jesus? And I would say, no, 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 no for me. When I'm, when I'm in my whatever and I'm in a place and I'm not, you know, happy about what this and that happened... I'm not any closer to Jesus, and I'm not really closer to anybody. And my heart is in a bad place. That's what offense can do for us. And I don't know about you, but I so want to get over that. 
I so want to overcome that in my life, and it is an issue. So I want you to think about this with the perspective of, of, of driving again, and, and getting a perspective of where you think of the, the traffic. We know no one's want to be in Seattle, but they have that, that, they call it the tunnel effect. And I think right now, we, or in our lives, we can get in, in, a, in a tunnel vision. We can actually get going our day and you have this, I got to get here and I got to do this and I got to accomplish this. And we get so focused and we focus on the ground level that we lose perspective, the bigger perspective of what's around us. It this happens all the time in our, in our day, in our life. And I, I, I uh, watched on the news there, the, one of the Seattle radio stations is advertising a free helicopter ride. You could win a free helicopter ride. How cool would that be? You, they pick you up in your backyard and, and fly you over across the freeway to wherever you're working. And, and I, I was thinking about that. That's kind of what we need as a perspective. Because when you're up high looking over, your perspective changes, doesn't it? From the ground level. You can see everything. And that's really how God sees us. He sees everybody at once. He sees it and gives an overall arching perspective. And so here's a thought and you're really kind of a, a framework that I want to work off of. And I want to unpack this for the next few minutes, since this verse in Proverbs, it says this, a person's wisdom yields patience, but it's one's glory to overcome or overlook an offense. It's one's glory to overlook, to overlook someone's offense. And, and, and that word literally means to pass over. And it doesn't, so you understand, it doesn't mean that we forget the offense. It doesn't mean we pretend it never happened, but there's an understanding of overlooking, passing over. It's a form of forgiveness. Scripture gives us some great wisdom here that we, we gain a better understanding when we fly a little higher in, the, in our altitude. We get a little bit of altitude, our attitude changes a little bit. We get a different perspective of what God is doing in our lives. And we, we get his perspective to over, overlook that offense that I want to talk about here. See, there's moments in our life we, we choose. We choose to stay on the ground level and we get upset and we get of the problems that weigh us down. Or do we rise, we catch some altitude to rise above that offense. Now, some of you go, well, that sounds great. I wish I could fly above everything and not worry about anything. Just like a bird flying around. And, and I, I get the fact that we're in the real world, we're on the ground level, but how can we not get easily offended? How can we live as Christ followers? If you desire to pursue Jesus, how do we do that? And I would even go further. I love this term that someone let me borrow a book this week called Unoffendable. And I thought, wow, that's a great title. It's a great little book about being unoffendable. I don't think that's a word, but it is a great goal, isn't it? To live unoffendable. And that's what God desires. I, I, I want to really unpack this thought with us, how to really grab, grab perspective is this. In order to overlook an offense, we must embrace God's grace extended to us. I want to unpack this and really for us by looking at what the Apostle Paul writes of embracing God's grace. He writes this, so powerful. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, if you know the story of the Apostle Paul, he got a lot of grace. Because Paul, before he was a Christian, actually was trying to kill Christians. He was trying to wipe the church out before it even really got started. 
That was Paul's goal. And God had got a hold of Paul's life in a not so gentle way on the road to Damascus and struck him blind for three days. And, and, the, and, 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 and basically, Jesus got a hold of his heart in such a way, transformed his life. And now Paul says, that grace that was given me is also grace for you. Let me, let's make it personal with this. Has God extended any grace to you in your life? Has God, raise your hand. Has God extended any grace to your life? Let me ask this question. Has, has anybody else extended grace to you one time? Somebody's giving you grace. Come on. Some of you have been pulled over and got a warning. Okay, there you go. Have you ever been grace in your life? <laughs> he says this. Paul says, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. What is he saying? Don't think of yourself more highly than anyone else. Don't let your ego or your insecurity rule over. He goes on, he says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Paul's saying this, see yourselves. Don't think any more highly than you're on. Think of yourself in sober judgment. What does that mean? It means this, don't think of how, how great you are and how wonderful you are above everybody else, but don't think of so lowly of yourself either. Think of yourself appropriately in sober judgment, having a perspective of God's grace in your own life. And when you embrace God's grace, if you are a grass hole, there's a way to grab the handlebars of God's grace in your life. Guess what? It's going to empower you to be able to offer that to those around you. So I want to leave us and say, okay, well, how, do I, how do I really do this and live this out? I want to give us some affirmations, some personal affirmations of how you can say, I'm going to embrace God's grace. The first is this, is to say this, that I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Can you say that with me? Can we put that on the screen? Say that with me. I will give others the benefit of the doubt. I will give others the benefit of the doubt. When I was, several years ago, I coached middle school basketball, seventh grade boys, and I really, really enjoyed it. But it was a challenge. It was a diverse team. We had different, actually, I think there was about three different languages that were spoken on that team. So, but we had a great, great winning team, proud of the guys who are there. But there was one kid, says seventh grade, he was 6'2". <laughs> Big kid. Now, he wasn't super talented. His, his feet and he was, his body, he was still growing into his body a little bit. But you know what? You, when you're in seventh grade basketball, you, what do you do with a kid like that? You just stick him in the middle. And I just say, put your hands up, okay? Your defense, okay? That's all you need with a kid like that. We started not showing up to practice. So I, day, days go by, and finally, I, I figure out where he's going. He's, and, you know, he's walking out of the school. I'm catching him before, hey, where are you going? Got practice. And I kind of lean, kind of kind of reeled him a little bit. I kind of like, we need you on the team and what's going on? You know, kind of came hard at him a little bit. He goes, Oh, coach, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've got to pick up my my little brother from middle from from elementary school and walk him home because my mom, she's on the crack pipe again. And at that moment, going, Oh, I went from highly critical to highly compassionate, just like that. When you go know someone's story and what they're going through, I was not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how many times do I do that in my life? How many times that I don't give people, I think I assume the worst, not the best. And I think for this, many times is this, I mean, you know, we judge people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. We say things like, look what they did. And then like, well, no, I didn't mean that. 
How quickly we do that and go back and forth. How many know that's called hypocrisy? And it, it, it's the self-righteousness that comes over us. That we, and then we get offended because our way didn't happen the way we wanted it. I was wondering is, if we're people of grace, when we come to a deep realization of God's grace in my life, in your life, when we experience that, we are then more freely to give grace and, and give people the benefit of the doubt. So I want to challenge us, when, you, when someone goes off on you, when someone's short-tempered or even worse, they, they blow you off and they ignore you, whatever it is, rather than go, geez, what's their problem? I wonder if we step back a little bit, got a bigger perspective, got a little bit higher altitude of their life and go, hmm, I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder what's taking place. Why did they act the way they're acting? I tell you, the person you're working with or works for you, the person that you work for, whatever relationships you have and the people around you, there's something going on there. Maybe nine, maybe 10 out of 10 times, if they're acting the way they're acting, it's because something's going on. Maybe they got a, an unruly teenager at home. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe they're going through a financial challenge. Maybe they're going through physical pain. There's so many people I know, they're just dealing with physical stuff. Your body's getting older and, you know, and there's struggles and pain and people don't always want to talk about their issues, but it comes out and they're short and there's something going on in there. And really we got to like, they are acting, they were acting for a whole nother reason. And it has maybe nothing to do with you at all. Something to, to recognize and look at. And so when we choose to be unoffendable, we're extending this grace and we're giving people that benefit of the doubt. Oh, us as Christ followers, can we be the less offended people of all? Could we not? Could we be challenged to be thin, thick-skinned and soft-hearted and not thin-skinned and hard-hearted? Can we be thick skinned and have a soft heart, have a good backbone, have a strength that's there, but we would be tender toward those around. I love what Paul says this. He says this, Ephesians 4, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And so the next time when someone comes along and you're like, what is going on with them? Huh? I wonder if they're struggling. Guess what they are? You don't have to, like, oh, I don't know. They are. So what do we do with that? We take a step back. God, help me to respond the way you want me to respond. How can I pray for them? How can I encourage them? Step away. Get a bigger, get a broader perspective rather than the ground level that we always try to live in. Grace extended to them. Now, some of you are kind of at the place going, whoa, wait, wait a second. There's a time and there's a moment that we can't be soft. There's a time and a moment where something happens. There's injustice in the world. And there's, there's reasons that we need to stand up and take a stand and to have a cause behind that. And I would say, yes, there is. But I would temper it with, temper it with this, is that we need to also be careful of our own spiritual, spiritual condition as we do that. You see, someone you know, yourself or someone you know even is harder when, when someone's been hurt, we take up their cause. We go, who do they think they are? How can they allow this? And anger rises up. It's a natural tendency for that to happen. And even further, it's really, there's a time and a cause and it rises within you. You can call it righteous indignation. There's a time where injustice is happening and there's raw, real emotion that anger flares up. It actually fuels you in a sense because you're seeing the mistreatment and you're seeing the insult that happened. You're seeing how someone is being harmed. 
And the classic example of righteous Ignatius, Jesus himself. He came into the temple square and there's people rip off ours. They're stealing from the people around. And he just, man, he just cleared the whole table, just threw all the tables aside. He got mad. Jesus got angry, but it was righteous Ignatian for a cause. But what do we do when that happens? When there, that anger flares up, how do we respond to it? Do we channel it in the right way or do we harbor it and it, and it, it becomes a part of us? The Apostle Paul gives clear direction what to do with anger. He says this, when you are angry, very clear, he says this, do not sin. Be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. My wife and I are close to married 25 years. We've practiced this scripture over and over again. We do not, we try to have a conversation and, and try to settle things before we go to bed. Sometimes it's till one in the morning We've stayed up, and I was like, can we go to bed, please? No, we're going to sell. We literally let not let the sun, Bible says in another translation, let the sun go down in your anger. To do that, to deal with it, not let it, in, it, it affect you. Because what anger does when you dwell upon it, that offense, it turns into self-righteousness. And I tell you, none of us are righteous, and so there's no one to say I'm self-righteous because it's actually even, even worse because it creates judgmentalness and critical spirits. And when we can be right in our cause, but we can, we can be so wrong in our hearts. We can let the offense linger in such a way, and then when it's in deeply embedding us, it comes even worse than that, and it's called bitterness. Now listen to Hebrews that tells us this huge warning. It says this, see to it, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. How do you want it? I don't, I don't want to miss God's grace. I don't want to miss what he has for me. I don't want to miss his amazing grace in my life. And he says, because of this, no, no bitter root grows up to cause and, and trouble and defile many. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. What he's saying is, if, if you've got bitterness in your heart, you're going to be short of understanding God's grace for your life. You're going to miss that. And so we got to let that go. We got to do it. Now, how do we do that? Well, here's another affirmation to declare over our lives of, of God's grace extended to us, to others is this, is, is, is you could say this, I will control my anger and act in love. Can you say that with me? I will control my anger and act in love. One of the most powerful, and you could say offensive, offensive ways to overcome being offended Paul challenges with, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. With good. The good we do is to motivate us out of love, not, not hate. Yes, there's raw emotions with anger. That's going to be sometimes our initial feeling. It's going to happen. It's going to work. There's passion really comes with that. The fact that times that you're, you're not, your feathers aren't ruffled means maybe you're apathetic. You don't care any longer. Hey, come on. There's times that we got to care, but what do we do with that? We can initially rises up within us, but what is our choice to act in love and to respond in love? And there's ample scriptures that talk about commanded to love, love, love. In fact, Paul, first Corinthians 13, he goes, if you don't do it in love, it's, it's just a, it's just a bunch of noise tomorrow is a day that we honor Martin Luther King and his birthday. And, 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 and I love what he says this about it all. He says this, 
when it comes to causes and everything, talk about the, any kind of cause we've ever had in history was what he led. He said this, I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Man, does that not mean be spoken today in our lives and all the causes. Everybody's fighting along the ways. And again, there's nothing wrong to be passionate about a cause, but is it motivated by hate and vengeance and, I mean, the seething that goes on rather than responding in love? I tell you, Jesus challenges with this. He said, love your enemies. Even when we, even in anger, even when things are going on, that's right and wrong, and we got to fight for injustice and all that goes on. Even our enemies, they would see the love that we have for those that are hurting, but also the love we actually have for them. Pretty powerful. I'll tell you this: the world is not changed by your opinions and criticism. The world is changed by your example of serving. Can we be those people? Can we be those people? And I, I, I want to give you this final affirmation to overcome our right to be offended is this. I will forgive as I have been forgiven. Can you say that with me? I will forgive as I've been forgiven. Jesus tells a parable. It's in Matthew 18. I won't go through all of it. And then just give me a, I'm going to paraphrase the story. And it's a story of a, a man who is deeply in debt. You could say in, in our terms, he owed a million dollars. And he owed it to this king. And the king called the note, he says, and he brings him before the man before him. And say, you owe me this money. You need to pay up. I'm going to put you in slavery. I'm going to put your children in slavery, your wife in slavery. You're going to pay this, this debt back. Well, the, the Bible, Jesus tells the story, the man begged, 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 begged the king, please, king, please, mercy on him. And out of compassion, the king forgave his debt. And it's interesting, as Jesus says, as, as the man left, he didn't really leave in gratitude, probably in relief, but he just left that. And immediately down the street, he sees a guy that owed him $1,000. And what does he do? Jesus says, he grabs him by the collar and says, you owe me. You got to pay me. You owe me $1,000. And the guy goes, please, 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 please. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't care. And he has the guy arrested. Well, guess what? The king heard about it. Ooh. King heard about what happened, hauls that dude back in and says, what have you done? I forgave you of this massive, massive debt that you owed. And you couldn't forgive this guy of the little much he owes? And this is where Jesus says these words to the, all that we're hearing. And to us this morning, he says this, that what my heavenly father will do to you that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus drops the mic at that moment. But what do we do with that? Our forgiveness is connected to our forgiveness. It's correlated together. We can't miss it. Jesus wants to take whatever rights that we have, whatever places that we have been offended, whatever we consider that are even our own self-righteousness, and he just wants to smash it. He wants to clean that out of our lives. He wants us to come to this place that when we've been so richly forgiven, he calls us to forgive. I want to jump down to, Ephesians 5, 40, 
4, verse 32. It's this verse we jump down to. It says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. How? Just as Christ forgave you. I want to say something in love. Hopefully it's all been love. It has been a love. My, my passion for all of us is this. To recognize this, that your sin, your sin, is a stench before a holy God. Your sin. And some of you are like, well, wait, wait a second. It's my sin? Let me, let me say, if, that, if that's your reaction, let me say this. Your self-righteousness is a sin. Your smugness is a sin and an offense to a holy and perfect God. When he sees you, when God sees the perfect heavenly father sees you, he sees offense. He sees stench. He sees sin. That's how he sees. But he sees it different than we see it. He sees potential what he has done for us. See, I want to bring us full circle this morning because I could point out your sin and you could point out my sin. God's the one that sees the sin. And there's something so powerful that he does. He passed over it. He got, the, he got to the aerial view and rather coming and bring judgment upon us and rather than coming and, and bring condemnation, he got high above it all and passed over. Literally, there's, a, there's, a, there's an encounter, there's a, there's, a, there's a historical event, it's called the Passover that took place. The people of Israel were in slavery. There, were, there was injustice that was done to them. It was, and, it was, and, and God had enough and he cried out, he cried out to Moses and Moses responded that he goes, I want my people to be freed. But before that, I'm going to bring judgment. And I want you to prepare the people for this judgment that I'm going to bring upon the people that are bringing justice to you. And he goes, there's going to be plagues and this last plague that's going to happen. I want you to prepare for this plague that's going to take place. There's a death angel to come and they're going to wipe out all the firstborn children. This is the plague that I'm bringing upon Egypt. But I want, to pre- I want you to be prepared. And what you do is take the, the blood of a lamb and I want you to take it and wipe the blood on the doorposts of your home. And when the plague comes, when the death angel comes, I'm going to pass over you because of the blood of the lamb upon your doorposts. And that's what God did. And he saved his people. All is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did. His blood that was shed, the the perfect lamb of God. We sang it just a few minutes ago. The perfect lamb of God came over and through the cross, that blood now can be applied to us. The blood of Jesus upon our life. And so when, when God looks over us, he can now pass over our sin. He can overlook our sin where the blood of Christ has been applied on us. Is that true for you? Is the, the blood of the doorposts of your heart, is it covering your life? Because that's where forgiveness is. That God looks at you perfect and forgiven and extends this grace to us. Do you have that this morning? Because if you do, that is what we're here to do for others. As our team comes, I got this question. This is heavy, I know. In light of God's forgiveness you have received, in light of the grace you have received, 
What offense do you need to overlook to forgive, to pass over the offense that's in your life? Oh, what we have received is so amazing. The grace and the forgiveness that we have received. Now it's our turn to give. Will you pray with me? I recognize the heaviness of today. I recognize the the ask that's here this morning and into the afternoon of what we're wrestling through. But I want you to come to the place that are you in a place where there's a fence in your life? Are you in a place where there is people have wronged you? They did it last week or maybe they did it 20 years ago. And are you still carrying that offense? And if that's true, how are you feeling about you? How are you feeling about the relationships around you? How are you feeling about the relationship you have with God? I have a feeling, because I know my heart as well, when I've harbored an offense, when I've hung on to it, and at times it's turned into even places of bitterness, that's not the best version of me. It's not the best version of the people that want to see me around. And and it has hung me up. So today might be your moment to say, Lord, I want to forgive. Lord, I want to extend grace. But I tell you today, if you don't have the blood of Christ over the doorpost of your heart, God sees your offense, your need for forgiveness. And you're only a prayer away to receive that. And I know many of us in this room have already received that. But I want you to see yourself appropriately today of what you received. If that's true for you, if you received Jesus, the blood of, of Christ over your life, the forgiveness of sin, can you not see that, the opportunity to forgive those around you? Just as you receive forgiveness, just as you receive grace, let's not be the one standing for God that we received all he's given for us and we harbored hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness toward others. It's a warning for us today. God wants you to be free of that, to overcome you in this area of offense. So Lord, that's our heart, that's our prayer, that you would help us today. That God, we'd be open to your work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I can't speak of the offense that others have happened. Lord, it could be some horrific things that happened to them and those they love. And Lord, it's been a lifetime journey for them. And so I recognize one prayer isn't going to solve it all. But Lord, may we posture ourselves back to you, back to your grace, back to your forgiveness, that Lord, you looked at our sin and you were, yes, you were offended by it. It was stench in your nostrils. But because of your great love for us, you brought the Lamb of God. You provided the Lamb, Jesus himself, to be that covering for us, that now, Lord, you can pass over us, pass over our offense, that we can receive your forgiveness and grace. Oh, Lord, as we have received this and that we find gratefulness and and, and deep, deep gratitude for that, Lord, may we go from this place in a generous heart. Lord, may we go with grace. Let me go with forgiveness. Lord, may we be the people that are unoffendable, Lord. 
Not, Lord, that we're bulletproof. Not, Lord, that we, we let things pass, over, pass in such a way that we, we don't care about those whom we care for and fight for injustice. But, Lord, may we not harbor bitterness. May we not harbor the offense, Lord, that we would channel it toward the good and the love that you have for us, that we extend it to others around us. This hurting, offended world, Lord God, that we may be a balm, like a, like a, a soothing salve to the lives of the people around us that so need you, Lord. May we see differently. May we rise above it all, Lord, to be able to see as you see, as you see us, Jesus covering our lives, Lord, that we can pass over and let overlook the offenses around us to live this unoffendable life, God, you called us to, we pray in Jesus' name.